Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of Shared Diversity. Today we're talking about how to make the best out of the least time or energy or network or resources you have. Because I talk with Nasuha, also called Nash. She's from KL Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. She's a brand expert and she's also a mother. And we talk about how to cut out the noise and build a brand, no matter what people say. A brand that really and truly fits to you and your personality. We talked about overcoming judgment from family and just the society around you. And she shared also her productivity hacks and being a single mother and building a business at the same time. So if you want to build a brand, especially as someone who doesn't have a lot of time or energy at their hand online and offline you should listen to this podcast it was really important for me to talk with her about also the offline part of building a brand because i know some of you don't want to go online you don't want to show your face online you don't want to expose your name online so if you don't feel comfortable building your brand online this is really a good episode for you to jump into all the possibilities you have to network and have practical ways of building a strong reputation offline so i hope you love it as much as i did and let's get into it and if you want the video version of this or any other episodes go and subscribe to us on youtube also follow us on instagram and twitter on shared diversity and myself at Sinaport to join giveaways and learn more about business branding and womanhood let's get into it thank you so much for coming on the show Thank you, Sina, for having me. I'm super excited to see what we're going to uncover in this session. Yes, inshallah. So for those who don't know you yet, um, could you introduce yourself in 30 seconds? So my name is Nash. I'm a brand coach from KL Malaysia. I'm experts in topics on women entrepreneur, women empowerment, branding, as well as communication. So I was a, my background is in uh, English language lecturing. I was a lecturer before and then what I delve into entrepreneurship in many, many different industries such as fashion, manufacturing, F&B, uh, beauty, and then now I'm into training and branding. Oh, beautiful. Since when are you already doing this? Since how many years? Being an entrepreneur in the business world for about five years now, solely in branding, about going on to three years. Okay. Mashallah. Congratulations. Thank you. So what was actually the whole idea behind becoming an entrepreneur and then going into branding? So I started becoming an entrepreneur because I was born with the routine cycle of um, my job. Like, um, like I love teaching, I love growing minds. Um, and that's something I've always uh, still do from time to time to go and, you know, educate people. But it was, there was no growth for me. For myself and I wanted a challenge and that's why I went into entrepreneurship I didn't realize it was so hard I had to learn everything from scratch you know so when I started my entrepreneurship journey my first thing was managing a factory so it was a printing factory and um, I learned about operations I learned about HR about finances and then I went into a boot camp which prepped me for um, the basic startup life, you know, on setting up business. And then when I, when I, when I did manufacturing for a printing line, people started knowing me for my value. And I was like, hey, there's something here. What is it that people will come back to me for until they don't even ask what the price is? 
and that's what branding is branding is when people recognize you for a certain value and they would come back to you regardless even though your price point may be more expensive than other competitors out there so that was what that was started my journey on branding and that's what intrigued me and how i realized that branding was such a powerful tool in the business world that is so interesting that you really wherever you're going the clients and the audience is following you because they know what you deliver and you, they know who you are and what you stand for so what do you think from your personal perspective and from your personal experience what do you think people get wrong about branding okay well one um whenever I, whenever people ask me about okay can you do this brand for me uh, can you do branding what is the design what's the logo and people always associate branding with the look aesthetic look of the, the, the brand which is not how brand the brand journey begins because when you want to develop a brand it is unraveling un, you know unraveling the core of your identity and from discovering that core and then you started branching out and then you develop you know your design based on understanding what that core foundation is and how did you get started how do you explore this core um so i'm a brand coach so what i do in my workshops is and through my consultations is coming up with um, um strategies to uncover those key points and there are certain questions and certain canvases that i use to help go through that process so okay so we said what people must understand about branding and what do you think you would say is the definition of branding so branding is really a feeling it's a feel that people want to be part of you know want to be like a certain brand or certain look and people buy into a certain brand because they want to be part of that you know of the association so for example if you were to buy a soap say for example you want you a uh, soap that you use for your body right would you choose a branded soap like uh, like lush or would you go and buy a, a soap from the supermarket any generic brand so it's all about that feeling how does how does that brand make you feel so when we look into when we look into um looking at identity what's the feeling that you want to make someone feel about your brand so it begins I start I start with that story. What's that feeling that you want to make your clients feel? Okay. And how do you figure out even who your clients are? How do you get really in connection with the audience because obviously different audiences require different feelings or they might be attracted to different values of the brand. So how do you find out your ideal audience? I think the first thing you have to understand the first thing you have to know is really understand what your brand is, right? and because you're not going to entice the entire world population you're going to you're going to attract people that are like you and to be to understand that is to let go of the other clients who are not going to be attracted to you and it's okay and focus on that group that will always come back to you again and again i think that's a big point because too many times we feel we want to serve everyone or all women we want to empower all the women out there and we kind of have this fear of not being relatable or in a position to be 
attractive for everybody out there that we are kind of shutting people off when we go to niche so why is targeting a very niche audience more beneficial than just saying my brand is for everyone because when you are able to 100% conquer that niche market that niche market is going to be your brand ambassadors and they're going to spread a bigger message for you rather than putting all your energy into a mass market who may or may not want to follow your brand so you're able to recognize how your niche market responds to you how they speak and you can fully obtain 100% of their buy-in, they will spread that message for you. You don't have to worry about that. So I know a lot of friends, um, they're very conscious and there's, you know, they're very well, oh no, but if I don't do this, they might not like this. If I don't, if I don't follow up the trend, they, the, this generation might not get it. But it, it really doesn't matter. If you, stay, if you stay true to your identity, people will want to look up to you. Okay, so... You are talking a lot about brands in terms of you creating a business and um, there's the brand that you're selling a product or a service for. What we talk about as well is personal branding. So that's something, for example, that I found you for. So I found you on LinkedIn. You are very outspoken in the way that you share your messages and the workshops that you do for women and kind of the work that you are an expert in. And that is kind of your personal brand that made me feel a certain way about you and made me want to contact you right yeah so thank you so much um, by the way wow i'm really happy to you know get that feedback from someone from all over the other side of the world yeah and that is that's that that is what shows that you are actually very very authentic in the way that you portray your personal brand and that you have created it because i had a emotional connection to what you stand for and what your work is so what do you think are the differences between having a brand and creating a personal brand for yourself based on your identity and character? I have to say this though. I took a few years to discover my personal brand. It's not like an immediate process that you'll know overnight. But having a personal brand would strengthen your business brand even better. So um so especially in this time and age where whenever people look up for business they want to see who are the people working behind this brand right and whether those their values that they stand for is in line with the brand that they're they're advocating for so it's really important and second of all i feel that once you identify and you're able to know what your personal brand is you'll be more passionate about the work that you are doing and when you're more passionate you'll be more authentic and when you're more authentic more and more people will be able to resonate with your message so do you think and we talked about this last time that we spoke do you think that a personal brand can only be created online no of course not no of course not yes so um this is a this is a lesson that i heard from someone it's about a leader you know leadership if you look at true leaders they are authentic everywhere they go. How they sound like, you know, how they talk, how they speak, online, offline, face-to-face, -face, they're the same. So a personal brand should be the same way. You have to be the same online and offline as well. Then will only people know how real you are, the realness of you.
So what was your process in creating a personal brand? Because you said that it was actually a longer process for you. It was not like, I know what my personal brand is. It was kind of like a longer journey. So how did you get to the point that where you are right now? I, I, I experienced a lot of things. Like I went through so many failed businesses. I started up a lot of projects. Most of those projects failed. Say, for example, out of 10 projects I started, only two survived, right? Yeah, so it's um, a lot of trial and error. It's taking risks and being brave and going on adventures and experiences that um, you think you'd never want to take for yourself. You never imagine doing it. But once you actually do it, and do it while you're young, you know, do it while you're young and you have energy, just do it. Like go on those hiking trips, make, make you know, impulsive travel decisions, do all that. So once you put yourself in an uncomfortable situation, then you are able to test yourself and see whether those experiences work for you and not, or you know, if you like being in that position or not, right? So, and then when you test yourself, then you're able to see where are your strengths, right? Where can you shine more? So, and then after going through the process, I realized what are some projects, some activities that I like doing, you know, and I enjoy and I'm passionate about doing and building. What projects are still giving me money, but I don't enjoy them so much. But because, um, because I understand that I'm being recognized in that field for a long time, you know, I can just always get other people to do the work for me. I want to I wanna touch on this. So what we haven't talked about yet is that you're creating a business and you're um, creating a beautiful brand and you're coaching other women on branding and how to develop themselves. Yeah. But on top of it, you are a single mother with two children. So you, over time, and you told me this last time, you had to find a way how to prioritize your life and your work. So I want to touch on this because I think society makes us believe that we women have to do everything and mothers have to do everything. And if we are failing in one field, that means we are uh, bad mothers or we are bad businesswomen or we are not full, uh, living our full potential. So how have you found, what is your journey to really understanding the strength that comes with being a mother and creating a business? And how have you juggled these two worlds in in terms of building your business number one i realized that no matter what my children will love me no matter what kind of mom i am my children will love me because i give attention and care and unconditional love so it does and i had to tell my it doesn't matter if i don't cook every day but my children will still love me as their mom right so understanding that children will always appreciate you for what you do you know and being truly honest with them second of all to cut out the noise i learned to sort of cut off people who cannot support me the way i want to feel supported and to realize that because i'm sure that we have a lot of people in our lives that surrounds us who mean well 
who really mean well and have the best of intentions, but sometimes the way that they do it might hurt us even more. You know, instead of energizing us, you know, it just takes us back to a dark place. So to know this kind of example in that. Um, so I have, so I got a divorce, I got a divorce, right? Uh, from my first husband and he wasn't very supportive and he was, um, emotionally and mentally abusing me. So it took me a long time to put a stop to it and took him out from my life because it wasn't healthy to him for him to be around me and for the children. I mean, he was a good father to the children, but he wasn't good to me. So if I'm not happy, the children are not being happy. So the first thing is to make yourself happy first and to know what feels safe for you and what is stability for you. So when I knew what what all that meant, you know, and I cut out people who are not being supportive with me, like, for example, like, for example, my mom, like, you know, parents, mom, especially Asian moms. Have you heard of how Asian moms are? They can be pretty hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. So some, sometimes, you know, they love you a lot, but the way they show love is not by saying, I love you, by saying that you look fat. <laughs> You get what I'm saying? Oh God, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Asian Asian moms, Asian parents are like, oh, you know, you should you should be you should come home and cook for your children more, you know. They mean this out of love. They want your they want you to be more present in children's life. If but you know, sometimes to us, especially for me running a business and juggling two kids, it's it's more stress on me. So certain parts of of those conversations I I would tell her, look, this is not helping me. And I had to take some drastic measures to cut that out of my life. Yeah. And my mom is not on my life. It's just that some some parts of my life I I'm not able to share with her because I cannot I cannot um take those conversations with her because it will affect me. Yeah, I think that is a big point because obviously we don't want to cut off our family and the people we love, but at the same time, we need to safeguard ourselves and our own emotions and energy. Yeah. So understanding when it's time to say, okay, this part, this is a part of my life I'm going to handle on my, on my own or with other people. And this part of my life, I can share with you and really enjoy this kind of thing. Exactly. And especially Asian, Asian, par Asian parents, you know, in the society here, there's no concept of boundaries. <laughs> you know they try they want to give advice into every personal decision that you make yeah. and um so by recognizing that and and i think just putting you know being firm like look i cannot have you make these decisions these decisions are mine to make and because i own up to it i became stronger i became safer i feel more confident to you know take the next phases of my life mini break please don't forget to subscribe to us here and on youtube and rate and review the podcast on itunes because it really helps to get the content to the right people so they can build a personal brand that is true to who they are and if you have anyone who would love to hear this episode please share it with her because there's nothing more valuable than hearing someone say i really truly believe 
this episode was made for me and I was meant to hear it. So if you can be part of someone's moment today, inshallah, share it. Now let's get back to the episode. So what I wanted to ask is how do you then prioritize not only your human connections, but also your work? Okay, so um, so when I get into my very busy mode, um, I would actually put up a timetable myself. So what I would share with everyone is to put up seven days a week uh, calendar and, you know, just imagine in one day, say on Mondays, how much time do you want to put into your work? How much time you want to put into family? How much time you want to put it for yourself? You know, how much time you want to put it into um, educating yourself? So all these areas are important for me, right? Family, work, self-growth, and then just completely me time not doing anything. Yeah. So because of that, I've sort of put like every day, I'm going to focus on just doing four hours of work every day, right? So every day, Mondays to Saturday, four hours a day, I'm just focused on doing work. So in that four hours is when I can set up meetings. It's when I work on my laptop. It's when I do my marketing, etc. Yeah. And then I would put like, okay, three hours is with the kids. Like I have one hour is with them doing homework and another hour for me to read books, etc. And then the rest, they play on their own. And then maybe one hour a day for me to do a bit of reading before I sleep. And the rest of the day is just, you know, running chores and then cooking and all these things. Yeah. But understanding how you want your day to look like. And then when you put it and you visualize it out there, you're able to keep up with that time that you want for yourself. And then exercise. I, I forgot to put exercise in. Being healthy. Yeah. And it is possible. It is possible. We always say that it's hard because we look at it in such a huge picture that you have to do everything in one day. But when you dissect it and you put it on paper, you'll see that it is possible. I think that's such an important point because a lot of times we, th we make big goals and we do one big thing and then we never do it again. Or we do it one week and we're like super stressed and like full on and then we never do it again. Instead, I feel it's very interesting because... The first reaction to saying I work four hours a day from Monday to Saturday is saying this doesn't sound like a lot of work, but the power is in accumulating the small steps, accumulating the four hours and doing it over and over again, because it is very clear that it makes more sense to do four hours every day until Saturday than doing 12 hours for two days and then the rest of the week nothing because you just get into the routine and you learn about yourself the beautiful thing the beautiful thing that I feel about you is that you make it sound so easy to do all the things in your life like health family business you know developing yourself as well so it sounds all so grand to us if someone does it and we look from the outside in. And I really feel so much gratitude that you give us the step-by-step -step approach of how you do it every day. Because that's where the value is and consistent acts that you do repetitively. Even if they're smaller than just doing one big act and never again. 
Yeah, now I, I, I realized that working long hours for eight hours, 12 hours is not productive at all. And, it, and that didn't make me happy. You know, it didn't make me happy and my kids weren't happy. Actually, my kids came back to me when I stopped, when I was working long. I was like, mommy, can you don't work so much? Because I would go out until I had meetings at the late at night. And I'm like, you know what? I can't do this. My kids are just going to be at this age for just some time. And they want to be with me now. In a few years, they're going to be teenagers and they wouldn't want to be with me. Do I want to miss this part of my life? You know, just going after my dream and missing that part out. So I readjusted, recalibrated what I wanted to do. And I just put, look, no way. Um, when they are in school, that four hours, I will use it to do my work. That's it. But, and, um, and it is very productive. You can do a lot in four hours. When you set your, time, your mind like, I only have this four hours, I've got to do it. You can do it. Also, we only have attention for so long. We don't have attention for eight hours straight. That is just human nature that we cannot concentrate for too long. So yeah. at some point, the productivity gets reversed and we get less productive and we even sabotage ourselves because we are giving more energy, but there is not the same output. So I think this approach is really valuable. And another thing that I wanted to um, add on is your approach to prioritizing what you do and what you let others do. So understanding a lot of times, I, I always say this a lot of times because it's not true. So many times we are told that you should work on your weaknesses. So you have strengths and weaknesses and you have to balance them out. So they are both kind of the same thing. And I feel this is total nonsense. It makes no sense because your weaknesses is not what you should be focusing on. You should be yeah. focusing on your strengths and making them stronger and then find someone who whose strengths are actually your weaknesses and partner up. So yep. can you tell us what brought you to the understanding of doing that and how you actually outsource practically in your life and business? Well, I wasn't doing it as well as my say one of my one of my team was right and it just makes better sense that i would give this job to him and i would focus on things that i had connection and network with and i would work faster in so it was a synergy and i also have to say when you find partners that you can work with to make sure that they are, your values are aligned with them and that which comes back to branding as well it comes up to your personal brand Because like, you know, your personal brand is your work ethic, is how you, uh, is how people, you know, accept from your services. They want to have that same value. So when I get a, I got a partner who had the same values, but had different strengths for me, that was a bonus for me, right? It was, it's also risky from Allah to, to connect me with this person and make my life easier in a way, right? And as we, and we, by sharing this risky that he has showered us, it makes all of us even happier, I think. You know, if you were, we're so greedy and, oh, no, I got this job. If I do it all by myself, I get more money. But to what expense, right? To the expense of your children's time, to the expense of your happiness and your health. So, no, sometimes it's just better to outsource it. So the strategy is really to look at the activities and the work that you enjoy doing that actually gives you energy. And yeah. the then look at the things that are taking that is taking energy from you and that is not serving you well and then looking for someone that can actually do it better that you can yep. share that project with yeah okay so I want to talk about the offline online space again and okay. uh, the fact that you are doing a lot of your branding and coaching and training offline so first of all 
what uh, what kind of work do you do and how do you get people to come into your workshops so i started um the workshops by actually you know just advertising and i'm having these free workshops and getting women to come so i started by investing on brand awareness right the first year is all about building a brand awareness and in my in my uh for my brand which is me which is investment of my time and energy so i needed more and more people to share my ideas and to trust me and to spread the word so i started hosting free events where women could come and um, i would hold workshops mini workshop sessions and from those workshops for the women who trust me uh, to help further their goals um, they would take up personal coaching package packages from me yeah and how did you get this first client how did you get them to come to your events so i i would join networking events around the city go introduce myself you know there are some uh, events where i'm the speaker and i would give talks and that's how i got recognized so that's where i got the connections with my contacts and because i've been i've been around in the business world quite quite long now so you know and it, and just just be brief and start making friends i think one of my first few clients i got together with her through twitter like i just comment on her twitter page hey i like what you're doing can we collaborate and she just said yeah and she got up got hooked up with me and we got uh we got together we've done amazing work together from that so it's just being brave you know look look out for people who think would be able to use your services and just approach them no matter where that's beautiful advice then how do you merge online and offline because you said you also have a website with a funnel that brings people to really um either join a free um, workshop or uh, buy uh, services from you directly so how does it really work and how What kind of tips can you give people who want to also bring that merging online and offline, but being more present offline? Because we have a lot of women in the audience that are not um, comfortable with showing their face or giving too much of, of themselves out online. They would prefer to have it one-on-one -on -one in workshops with women, with, with women. So what would be your advice in merging online and offline and making it work for each other? So you're saying that a lot of women are are not comfortable being offline than online is that it no no so a lot of women in the audience are not comfortable with being online and showing the, yourself themselves online okay. and showing their face creating a brand online so what advice could you give them to maybe use online sources like you do the funnel on your website yep. but then really create an offline audience and offline products or services yeah um so I'm one of those women who I have to be, I had to take a lot of courage to sort of do what you do, you know, have being online. And I have to practice. Like when I do videos, I would create, I would have to write scripts and I have to memorize them and then do the recording. I can't really talk just off the cuff and just do, just have a fantastic video. So it's still a lot of work, you know, it's still a lot of work to create content. It takes a lot of practice as well because you begin with like writing scripts and then it takes two hours to record like a 15 minutes video and then you ha kind of have to find the this courage and the self-confidence to also do it by yourself. But at the same time, 
offline and speaking in front of people and giving workshops to a group of people, that requires a lot of self-confidence as well. So I admire you for really putting yourself out there and then at least using both tools to serve you and get your audience together. Yes, um, I think um, there is no easy answer to this really. You know, it takes a lot of practice, definitely. There's st still a lot of work that, you know, you need to put in to prepare for something. Always prepare. I think my advice is to always prepare. And in terms of merging online and offline, um, I think create a very strategic process. That's what I do. You know, say in a month, put a goal like every month I want to have one offline appearance in public and then online have say four videos out in a month, right? And then, then stick to it. Well, make it simple. Don't overstress yourself with putting out so much and don't compare yourself with anyone else. You know, be at your own pace. If you're comfortable, like say, for example, you can only put up two videos a month, just put up two videos a month, it's fine. You know, if you can come up with once a week, go ahead, do it. Yeah, so just start with something that you're comfortable with, but put it in their timetable, you know, what you want to put out, what's the outcome you want to do it, and then prep for it, prep for it. Okay, so how do you then get speaking engagements and how did you create this personal brand of you being uh, a leader in that industry of women empowerment and, and communication? I join a lot of networking groups. Whenever there's a uh, networking groups, um, uh, you know, I see notification of it in Facebook or LinkedIn, I would join. And when you join those groups, go, you must be able to use, you know, networking skills and introduce yourself out to people. Yeah. So get their contacts and get your contacts, create that warm connection. Because that warm first encounter you have with that person is a valuable experience for them about you. And one day you will have established that trust, they will want to find out more about you, right? So once you create that, so uh, this is what I, I see from a lot of people. So, you know, they create, when I meet them face to face, and um, it's a very engaging interaction and a very warm interaction. And they'll go back and they'll, they'll Google up for me and they'll see me on LinkedIn and Facebook. And then they will trust me even more because I portray that work online. Whatever I do offline is online as well. So you establish that relationship. And that's when you get followers to follow you and follow the work that you do. Okay, so, so much valuable content. Now, I want to go back to the beginning of building a personal brand or building a brand for yourself. What would you say to someone who is a complete beginner, maybe the five top tips or any kind of steps that you have for people to create their own brand? Five top steps to create your own brand, right? Okay, number one, figure out what sort of personality are you, right? Are you a people person? Are you, um, what sort of interaction do you feel comfortable with, right? Um, what, uh, what sort of, um, number two, what emotion do you give out? I think that's very important because everyone has a different emotion. It's like a different vibe that you give out. Like I'm not like a I'm not like a total I'm not like a Beyonce vibe, you know, like you know, sassy or whatever that sort of thing, or Rihanna <laughs> sort of thing. No, I'm not. Right? Yeah. I'd probably be more like a grounded, uh, mature, uh, straightforward conversation sort of girl. 
So understanding what your vibe is and what your personality thing is, is really important. And then once you have that, to uh, figure out what are things that you like and what are things that you don't like to do. And because personal branding is not only about your work, it also encompasses your interests as well, right? So you must have like a full rounded um, personality of who you are. Not only whether, not only in the work that you do, in your extracurricular activities that you, you know, in the warmth and the relationship uh, people that you build. So that's like what personality, vibe, uh, your interests. That's three, right? Yes, what so else? you have personality, um, the emotion you give out, so you have... Um, sorry? Wait. So you have personality, you have the emotion that you give out, and then you have what you like and what you don't like. So understanding that your work and your interest brings yeah. the full capacity to your brand. So that's yeah. three. That's three. Um, <laughs> and then um, be prepared to put in the work. You know, brand building is a continuous process. Just imagine um, the pyramid, you know? You have a vision in mind that, oh, I want this structure. You think about that structure and be prepared to do to uh, do the work. And then I think the last advice is to be happy. Uh, to be happy, don't to to be happy about put, and satisfied with putting in the work and not at the outcome. You know, because especially when you do personal branding, you want people to validate, you know, give you validation, which is nice to hear from people when they give you feedback. But do not do not have expectations about it. To be happy about putting in the work, that's more important because that's a sustainable way for you to go on in your business because you're going to have some really low days you're going to have some up days and those low days are not going to help you you know uh, encourage you but when you are satisfied with putting in that consistent work every week every day then you'll be happy with your brand that you're building that is beautiful so Two more things that I would like to ask. First of all, when you started, which was a long time and a lot of failures and a lot of projects and a lot of wins ago, what did you need to hear that would have made your journey easier? So what would you have said to yourself? Wow. Um, I think to always have an open mind, you know, and and be able to, um, you know, love in the learning process, right? And to not be satisfied with with um, with just reaching one goal. So for me, the the vision that you have set for yourself is about is a greater vision than you, right? What is the impact that you can give this world? You know, if you're able to come up with an answer to that question, you'll be able to be in business for a longer run. They're just a short-term one. If you set out with the vision, oh, I want to do this business because, you know, I want to make a lot of money and drive this big car. And then once you reach those goals, you still won't be happy. So it's always about the greater impact that the, in the work that you do. That's, let's just call it purpose. What made you find out your purpose? What made me find out my purpose? Um, I think because of what I went through personally on my journey, you know, as as a woman in an Asian culture, and then you know, and having men 
really looking down at me. I have sometimes when I went into a business meeting and people look up and down with me because of the way I dress or the way I look. Maybe I look a bit younger than I'm supposed to be to then a consultant and they don't take me seriously until I do the pitch. You know, then they sit up and they start listening to me. And it's it's not easy for women here. And especially in the society, women they tend to put themselves down and you know, limit themselves from their own beliefs. So my goal has always been to empower more women out there to be more confident and to release any limitations that they put on themselves. Yeah, so that's the bigger goal. That's beautiful because it really shows that it comes also sometimes from a, from a position of pain. Yeah. That you find out what is your purpose and what you actually want to give to the world and to others. Yep, yep. Yep, that's true. Thank you. Thank you for sharing so much with us. Now, the last question is actually for the audience. So for the listeners out there, what question would you like them to answer in the comments below? Right. Okay. So I think uh, one of the questions that I would like to ask is, um, uh, can I just ask you, where are your listeners mostly from? Uh, a lot of our listeners are from the US, from the UK and from Indonesia, actually. Oh, wow. Nice. Okay. What questions? Um, I guess I want to find out um, whether, what, are, what is the biggest uh, limitations that women put for themselves, right, in the business world? I would like to find out more, you know, because um, everyone came from, come from, from different, different countries and uh, I have my struggles and I think it's really important that women share their story and want to be heard so if you have a story that you want to share about the struggles that you go through in business do share it with all of us here so you know we feel a connection that hey i'm not alone in this boat you know there are other women like me like us and we are all here to support one another that's beautiful so inshallah leave it down in the comments what is the biggest limitation that you set on yourself thank you so much Nash, for coming on the show it was thank so much you. fun Thank you so much thank for having you. me. Thank you for sharing so much individual and personal things of you and your journey as well. And don't forget, the real deal is going on at sharediversity.com. Jump on the newsletter, comment below this episode and share your diversity with us. If you enjoyed this episode, like and share it with your friends and make sure to rate and review us on iTunes so we can keep creating content that is relevant to you. Until next time. Assalamu alaikum.